Welcome to the month of June here in the United States, a, a happy time known for weddings, vacations, graduations, and and now it's known for Pride Month. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. In case you hadn't noticed, this is the month of June, and anywhere you go on social media, entertainment, the major networks, you can't escape the reality that this is now called Pride Month, a whole month dedicated to promoting the idea of homosexuality as being normal and even teaching our young people that it's okay to be gay. You know, a lot of churches have become woke on this issue, something unimaginable 50 or 60 years ago. Today, Today, it's increasingly happening here in the United States and around the world. If you look at many of the Protestant churches in particular, the Lutheran Church is a good example in many parts of the world. Lutheran Church of Sweden, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, which is neither evangelical or a church anymore, in my opinion. They've come a long way, as they say, on the LGBTQ and other issues, but unfortunately, in my opinion, not in a good way. Now, you got to remember, Lutheranism, as it is known, goes back over 500 years with Martin Luther. I'm not saying he's a perfect guy, but he, like many reformers of the day, were trying to get back to the intent of the Bible and Scripture. He saw a church that had issues at the time that needed to be addressed, going apostate. I understand it. But now the Lutheran Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, is nothing but a hell-bound apostate church. There is no life left in it at all, period. Its leadership at the top is rotten. It is disgusting. It is nothing but death. The pro-gay agenda. I, I know a church, and I shouldn't say where it is, but I, I know of this one Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And they host a couple of other churches in their same building. Uh, this very gay Catholic church, or supposedly Catholic, where you have this supposed Catholic bishop married to another man, and they pretend that they're doing the old-style Catholic church of the 50s. It is a disgusting thing to behold. And the Lutheran church there, they just try to be tolerant of everybody and everything. You know, we just, why can't we all just get along? They don't stand on scripture and, and reason or tradition any longer. They've thrown out the scripture ages ago, and it's all about feelings. You look at the Lutheran church, evangelical Lutheran church in America, they, they've had their own gay bishops for a while. They, they permit same-sex weddings in their churches. In fact, some of them encourage it. Saw a website recently for one of their churches up in the New York area promoting Pride Month coming up in, in June. You know, today, there are at least 5,000 Protestant church congregations here in the United States that are welcoming and affirming is what they call themselves. And of course, you know, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America is one of the ones leading the way. 
a number of the Presbyterian Church uh, USA are the same. You see it in the United Church of Christ and so many others. You see, these churches today have opened their doors not just to be inclusive, but to reject Scripture at the same time. Look, there's a difference, and let me be clear about this because I don't want to be misunderstood. The gospel is open to all, everybody. We are asked, we are needing to repent of our sin. If somebody was a child abuser, do you welcome them into church and celebrate them being a child abuser and and remaining that way? If somebody has a bad habit of robbing liquor stores, do do you celebrate his robberies at church? The Bible says that when it comes to our sin nature, we are to repent, which means to turn away from, to stop sinning. But now when it comes to this one sin, we're we're told that it's, oh, well, it's not really a sin. That's just, you know, what some people think. And, 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 And really, you know, Jesus was gay and his disciples were gay. And it goes on and on. And Sodom and Gomorrah, that that had nothing to do with their sexuality. It it was all about they they weren't hospitable enough. They weren't inclusive enough. They weren't open enough. And, And that's why God destroyed it. And so we have Pride Month. Pride Month. And these woke churches are celebrating all of this. And, and they use such things. I, I, look, I did a little bit of research before the program, trying to get ready uh, to talk about this here as we're in the middle of this so-called Pride Month. If you try to use Google as a search engine, you know, if you listen to this program, they will filter your results to their propaganda. Any research on homosexuality in the church well, they all they give you is the pro-gay, happy church garbage pay after page. One prominent page right there at the top, we know the church has sometimes been a place of pain and, and exclusion for the LGBTQIA+, whatever all that means now, community. And, and the website is called Old Lutheran. Well, not not necessarily. They, they believe that love has no boundaries. Everybody's made in God's image. That's true. But our sin separates us from God. But they just, you know, drown it out with love is love is love. More love, love, love. We hope these, they're, they're selling shirts and T-shirts and all kinds of stuff, all based on inclusivity. They want us, you know, they want you to take this to your congregation and push it out during Pride Month. And they want you to celebrate it. They want you to take time and learn more about the LGBTQIA plus community. Probably teach you how to sue bakeries that don't want to celebrate your gay wedding. Educate yourself on the history and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, the churches in America, many of them in the United States, have, have adopted this, and they've adopted Pride Month. Our government has done the same thing. Think about how insulting it is to have, in certain nations, our United States embassies, they flew pride flags. 
That's right, they had pride flags, even at the Vatican Embassy. Of course, I, I beg the question, did they, did they do the pride flag at the Saudi Arabian Embassy, uh, maybe the one in Iraq? or uh, How many of the Muslim country embassies did we fly the rainbow flag? I doubt if we did. Once again, we have a duplicitous, phony government run by a guy that has serious issues mentally and physically. He's nothing but a puppet for the extreme left in this world. Pride Month. Churches. What used to be churches. If your church is celebrating Pride Month, it is not a church because the definition of a church is the ecclesia, the called out, being separate. In other words, you are a living part of the body of Christ. Name me one time in the scripture where Jesus celebrated. Now, I will, I'll preface this. Jesus hung around with sinners, but he never celebrated their sin. He never encouraged you to celebrate your sin. He tells you to go sin no more. Find that forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We have churches in serious trouble. They're no longer churches. They're going to face Jesus on that judgment day when he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. That day is coming. The Episcopal Church, your lampstand is gone. Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, United Church of Christ, Presbyterian Church USA, a bunch of the United Methodist Churches and so many others, your lampstand is gone. You are not a church. You're nothing but but a satanic synagogue of Satan because you've abandoned the gospel. You know, St. Paul made it clear. If anybody, including an angel of God, which kind of speaks to so many of the cults out there. Oh, the angel so-and-so came to me and, and gave me a new message for the church. If anyone, including even an angel, brings you a different message, it is not the gospel. It's an accursed message. Shun them. Don't give in to them. Too many of these churches have tossed away everything they once stood for. It is the great falling away that the Bible predicted, oh, centuries ago. We're seeing it before our very eyes. It's happened before in history. It's not unique to our time. We need to understand something, and I hope you'll grasp this little concept. We go in these cycles, and we'll continue to go through these cycles And each time it gets worse and worse, and eventually we will hit that great tribulation and Jesus will come again. Is this the great tribulation coming up? I can't tell you. Are we facing a time of judgment from God? Are we facing a time that many nations have experienced over the past 2,000 years, a time of serious chastisement? Look, God dealt with his people, Israel, often. He threw them into captivity and bondage, but he rescued them. He'll treat us no differently when we turn our back on him. And in my lifetime, I've been watching this systematic turning away from, turning away from, 
And the rate accelerates week in, week out, month in, month out. We're making a mockery. We're open in our sin, and now we celebrate it openly and even on television. Can you think back how television and radio was in the 50s and early 60s? Can you imagine Petticoat Junction, for example, having a Pride Month uh, episode? Any of the TV shows back then, even though many people in our nation were not people of good morals, we weren't trying to taunt God and mock him openly. Even our cartoons used to be funny, used to be entertaining, used to be safe to watch. We now have unsafe churches, and for years we've had very, very unsafe television. Ran into this story, too. I'm sure most of you have heard this. You know, the prominent kids, TV networks, there are a couple of them out there, Nickelodeon and the Cartoon Network. And, of course, they are up to their rainbow-colored eyeballs in celebrating Pride Month and pushing it out to your children, whether they're the age of three or five or nine or 12. They're pushing this stuff out. And many parents just are not aware because parents today are too busy working two jobs to pay the bills, which are just going up even worse. Nickelodeon, I think it was about a week ago, had the meaning of pride, a video that they put out, which features a dancing drag queen. Let me say that again. A dancing drag queen. That means a guy dressed as a woman in makeup with a wig. Singing about the rainbow and other flags associated with these various causes, LGBTQ stuff in in particular. Yesterday, we told you about an event occurring at a church in upstate New York where they brought in a drag queen to a Presbyterian church, Park Church in Elmira, bringing in a drag queen for an evening for your kids to to learn from the drag queen. Well, in this case, Nickelodeon has a drag queen by the name of Nina West, and uh, she sings, With the pride flag high, be true to you. Blue means harmony, working together. Purple means spirit, believing you have power of strength within you to do whatever you dream. Baby blue, pink and white represent transgender people. See where it's coming? And look, your little kids, even before they get to school, are being being pushed this satanic information to propagandize them, to rip them away from you that are supposed to be raising them. Transgenderism. Every letter in the LGBTQ plus is equal. And then... Uh, This then is said the black and brown represents the queer and trans people of color. I'm just going to give you a few seconds of this because I don't think you could tolerate the entire song. So wave that pride flag, wave it high. Go big, be kind, be you. 
Doesn't it just fill you with pride? Showing who you are on the inside. Never have to hide yourself away. There's a place for you. Doesn't it just fill you with pride? Loving who you are on the inside. Wave that pride flag up high. Be true to you. Be true to you. The propaganda being pushed out by these so-called children's network is dangerous. In an Instagram post, the, the same network posted a photo of a shoe with the cartoon character SpongeBob SquarePants underneath a rainbow. With the imagination, I can be anything I want, the post read. The caption displayed a rainbow emoji while promoting a... Uh, Vans and Spongebob collection. You know, Cartoon Network also did the same thing with images on Instagram and other social media. Love is love. One rainbow color post reads. Another features cartoon characters holding a banner that reads, I am not confused. Published last week that opens with a video that discusses art and self-expression. Cartoon Network is celebrating the LGBTQIA plus kids and families who radiate joy, inclusivity, authentic self-expression, yada yada, the narrator says. At one point, a child, which goes by the name of Jax, explains why they use he and they prono, you know, pronouns. In other words, see, we can choose our gender, too, because everything is just gender fluid, transgenderism. Homosexuality, confusion, these are tools of Satan and not tools of God. And these networks that you're allowing into your house and paying companies like DirecTV, Xfinity, uh, Bright House, Dish Network, you name it, any of the cable companies, whenever you pay that cable bill, yeah, they're getting a little piece of the action whether you watch them or not. I'll tell you, Even PBS has gotten into the act. Channel 13, WNET-TV out of New York. I remember them well growing up as a kid. They have partnered, of course, with the New York City Department of Education. Good luck there. And they've got this whole Let's Learn skit promoting all this. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The drag queen stuff, we're in trouble here in the United States. LGBTQ agenda in our schools, in our media. You parents that don't pay attention to your kids, you don't have a chance. They've already gotten to them. You may never get them back. And the values they're being taught, they're being told your values if you believe in Scripture. You're just an old fuddy-dud that's probably a Trump supporter and... Yeah, schools pretty well trash President Trump, too. I mean, yeah, well, they're Trump supporters. Uh, you know, they're, they're rubes. They're, they're, they're just Neanderthals. You name it. We're living in a truly satanic time here in this country. And, and it doesn't get any better in other parts of the Western world. It's worse in the United Kingdom. You can't even talk against being transgender. Uh, it can put you in jail now in some places. 
You can't talk about the Bible's teaching on marriage. It could put you in jail in some places. It may eventually, I guarantee you, in a couple of years, it's going to start shutting down churches. You want to know why? The church was asleep, too busy worrying about its internal struggles, and did a lousy job in sharing the gospel. We'll get onto that topic in a little bit again. One bit of pandemic thought to show our neighbors to the North, Canada. Canada. I used to enjoy going to Canada, and I know a a number of Canadian people over the years. What has happened to your country is the saddest thing I can imagine. Nobody could be sure. Look, none of us understood, if you go back to the beginning of the time of the pandemic, none of us thoroughly understood what was coming down the pike. We saw a lot of scary numbers that ended up being all phony. And we all agreed to pause for two weeks to help flatten the curve. Well, that's gone. That went on for over a year. And the hysteria that we had from CNN and the other just satanic media, you would have thought this was, you know, the plague where a third or half of Europe died in a short amount of time. You know, you'd think that every day there was somebody going down the middle of the streets with a cart going, give us your dead. I mean, you know, this this got out, this, this went insane. You know, bring out your dead. Look at the death ticker on CNN. Poor Canada with a man-child leader by the name of Justin Trudeau, who is no leader, <laughs> He's, he's, he's turned Canada into a hollow shell of its former self. Canada, once free, self-sufficient, had become enslaved by a total fool, a virtue-signaling fool. Their police have turned the country into nothing more than East Germany in 1968. Who would have ever thought Canada one of the freest and gentlest countries in the world would become even more insane than the theatrics of Fauci and some of the governors like Whitmer in in Michigan and, and Cuomo in New York and Murphy in New Jersey. But they did. They did. They're, they're almost as insane as what's going on in Australia, you know, a country that won't let anybody even leave the country. And they're not a plan. They don't even plan on letting anybody leave, like, you know, for another year. People in Australia, another, another nation of very independent thinking people, have been enslaved by a bunch of gay-loving fools. The College of Physicians and Surgeons in Ontario, the body that has state powers, has officially threatened any doctor with severe penalties if they should communicate any anti-vaccine, no matter how true it is, any anti-masking. We know that masks do not work. Social distancing, well, we knew that was a fraud. But you can't even talk against it or even lockdowns. In other words, even though the facts are on your side, you could lose your ability to practice in medicine because the ministers of fake truth are threatening your job in Canada. Even things we now know are true, you can't talk about, about COVID-19. This is insanity in Canada. I can't believe what I'm seeing. 
Canada of all places. And they use the, we're trying to save you and, and it's, it's all for public health. Even with all the discredited stuff that's out there, they continue to buy into it and demand that you believe it, even though it's all fraud. It's a scam. It's a total scam. Listen, we need to take a break here at the bottom of the hour. I got something special to to share with you in the next half hour of the program. My voice is a bit weak. I'm a bit tired. Nothing really wrong. Just um, a lot of speaking and a lot of activity. So keep me in prayer. Do you believe in the ministry of truth to ponder? Why not write us a letter and maybe even help us out if you can. Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, that's number 263, in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, zip code 30537. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The First Church of Sodom. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, a number of years ago, William John became the first openly self-avowed homosexual to receive ordination by a major denomination, the United Church of Christ. After that, other denominations received similar revelations regarding the holiness of homosexuality, Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian. Now, the Lord loves homosexuals, but not the sin of homosexuality, just as he loves us, but not our sins. And we have to love and pray for people regardless of their sin or because of their sin. But for these supposed men and women of God to suddenly discover that homosexuality is now fine and holy is only a sign of the times in which we live. You see, ministers have become so enlightened now that they know even less than the citizens of Sodom. For the Sodomites at least knew enough not to put on clerical robes or religious airs or invoke the name of God to back up their sin. There was no first church of Sodom. But leaders in some of the mainline denominations have received another revelation and established that very thing, which goes to show you that seminaries and collars do not make somebody godly. And we live in an age of apostasy, so you have to watch it. Such people are not apostles, but apostates. All the more, you're responsible for holding true to God's word. Don't be moved to the right or to the left. Don't be swayed by political correctness or intimidated by a consensus of evil. And make no deals or any compromise with the dark. You be the salt of the earth. God called you to be my friend. Be holy, be pure, be strong, hold true to the word and fast to your God and shine as an unquenchable light in a dark and crooked generation. Now, what if you could receive daily vitamins guaranteed to strengthen your spiritual walk with God in the end times? A six-month supply for free. You can. Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins for victorious walk with God and updates on Israel and prophecy and the incredible The Mystery of the Temple doors all free. You'll love it. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, you can actually spread Spread salvation around the world for very little through Shoei Radio, from the Arctic Circle to Israel. It's part of being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. It's amazing. It's like sending a billion tracks around the world. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 076 
44. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend in Messiah, Yeshua Tenu, our salvation. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. Well, the first segment doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? The first segment of the program talks about all the troubles we face in this very evil and sinful world. And it's real easy to dwell on the negative, but where's the positive news? Well, that's what the gospel is all about positive news. It's true. Many churches have abandoned the faith, but many, many people are not cultural Christians. They're the real deal. They have surrendered their life. They've given 100% of themselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. We as Christians are the salt and the light in this world. It's our job. It's our calling. We cannot walk away from that call. I want to share with you a message I preached about four years ago to a church in Florida. This is a message about yielding yourself perfectly under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Join with me as we hear this message. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today in this place to learn from your word, Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and our minds to receive your word, that it may be effectual and make changes within us. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Last Sunday... I want to build on a theme here. Last Sunday, the sermon Steve preached was very profound. Would you not agree? I listened to every word that he said and realized just how empowered you were by the Holy Spirit in the message you gave to this congregation. One that I felt was so important, so beyond our four walls in our community, that he just found out this morning it was on the radio show that I do worldwide. And so you've been heard by maybe two or 300,000 people so far. Thank you for not telling me that last Sunday. I thought you'd be happier not knowing. But the truth is, what Steve The question you posed last week, I want to build on today, and it comes from our epistle and even our gospel. You posed the question, are we a fan of Jesus or are we a follower of Jesus? And if you missed last week's sermon, it will be online. I'm going to, even after I post today's, I'll make sure because I'm going to call this part one of a series, what you started. I want to bring home a few additional points. The word follow, as used in the Gospels and is also found in the Old Testament, is not used that often, especially in the Old Testament. And here's why. 
The general referencing to a follower in the Old Testament was a follower of a false idol or a false god. Like they were followers of Baal, they were followers of Moloch, they were followers of whatever. And so in the much of the Old Testament, the term being a follower almost has a negative connotation because remember, at that time, the children of Israel lived under the law. And so they were not necessarily followers, they were obedient in the law. Now Jesus comes along and he is seeking those to follow him. Now, one of the problems in understanding a Bible in the English is our language in English, as complex as it is, oftentimes can miss a few nuances of other languages. And this is true in the word of a follower. There is a bit of a, more of a distinction. It's not like, and I used, if you saw the webpage, I used that picture of Jesus sitting on a park bench next to this one guy and Jesus going, no, I'm not meaning on Twitter, I mean really follow me. We tend to follow people online. We tend to follow people, if you use Twitter, to hear what they have to say. And in that regard, being a follower is still missing what the biblical definition from the Greek to follow means. A follower of Jesus is outlined so nicely today in our epistle lesson where we pick up where St. Paul left off in our discussion last week. And so we start at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are being saved, it is the power of God. Now that's an interesting thing I'm going to get to in a second. I'm going to divide this verse in half. To the world, the idea of following this person makes no sense. It's foolishness. Why would we want to follow Jesus to the cross? Think about that for a second. Why would we want to follow Jesus to the cross? It is because from the cross, we have hope because of the resurrection. So we follow him to the cross. Then we experience what St. Paul says, the power of his resurrection that changes our lives. See, to be a follower in the Old Testament meant a dedication that is huge. I mean, to be a follower of Moloch, remember, once again, you look at the Old Testament references, they almost have a negative connotation. To be a follower of the god Moloch required a lot. I mean, it required the sacrifice of your firstborn. If you wanted to be a follower of Moloch, your first kid had to be burned to death on the altar of Moloch. And so when you follow Moloch, you followed Moloch. Because you would never prosper if you did not follow in obedience. Jesus wants followers just as dedicated to him as those were to pagan gods in the Old Testament. But see, Jesus' message is so different. 
It is so life-affirming. It is so life-changing. Jesus wants us to give him everything of ourselves. Everything to be his follower. If you remember in last week's gospel lesson, which was the basis of Father Steve's sermon, Jesus is now beginning to assemble his followers, his disciples. And he comes to Peter. I mean, they just had finished fishing for the day. But to those that he called, they just left everything behind. It was like, okay, I'm not a fisherman anymore. There's the boat. You all want it? Take it. Everyone that followed Jesus dropped everything. One of the things that Jesus says in another part of the Gospels is, is hard for people to take. And it has been, was a stumbling block for me for many years. Jesus wants people to follow him. And he gives the analogy of those that he calls to follow. And somebody says, well, I just got married. I have a wife I have to take care of. No, you don't. No, you don't. I just bought a piece of land. I need to check on it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Uh, one of my family members died. Let the dead bury the dead. It's a hard thing to understand. But we have to learn to yield those things under his lordship. He's not going to let the dead person lay out there in the street. He's not going to let the land be misused. He's not going to let the wife be ignored, but he wants us to follow him first and foremost. Then everything else will find its appropriate place in our lives. And see, that was a stumbling block for many when he would say that. You know, I, I, if, you, if you can't just follow me, you're not worthy of me. And people are going, but, but Lord, I've got this. To, don't you know I have a job? Don't you know I got a mortgage to pay? <clears throat> don't you know I got a cell phone bill due? Don't you know, Lord? Yeah, he does. What does the Bible say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things the Gentiles seek. All these things like paying the mortgage, putting food in the table, shall be added unto you according to your need. This is the hard part of the message that Steve started, is to understand the depth of following. To really be a follower of Jesus, to really accept his calling, is something that in our own flesh and nature we are incapable of doing. None of us in this room have the wherewithal, the power, or the ability to be that obedient. None of us. None of us. See, this is where the church sometimes forgets to teach a message. What empowers us to be believers is the Holy Spirit dwelling in us to make what is impossible in the flesh 
possible in the spirit. I believe the day that Jesus walked on those shores and saw those fishermen, the Holy Spirit was already at work preparing them. There was no surprise, I don't believe, when Peter heard those words. When all of them heard those words, they were expecting them. They were prepared to hear what had to be heard. Now let's go to the foolishness of this preaching, as St. Paul calls it, and you see it in today's gospel lesson. We call these the Beatitudes, the blessed are those. And when you look at the message, it's, it, once again, it's a, it's a message that in our humanness is, it all sounds good, but we tend to say, but it can't be. It's too good to be true. Blessed are the poor in spirit because they'll inherit this, they'll get that. We don't understand that because in our sin-distorted culture, these are objectives of Jesus that don't work. At least in our mind, they don't work. To be a follower of Jesus, truly a follower from the definition as explained in the scripture, requires from us to be able to surrender and submit ourselves and trust. I remember a story that was told years ago. I probably heard this when I was about 10 or 11 in a sermon, and it's one of those things that just stays with you all your life. The story is told about a fire that broke out one night at a home in Long Island two-story house, house is on fire, and there's a young boy upstairs trapped. The firemen are yelling to the child to jump out the window, and the child will not do it. He's afraid, and understandably so, until he hears his father's voice. Then the child leaped to his safety. It was the fireman with the net, but it was the father's voice that gave the call. Now, let's tie this together with being a follower. Every one of us here in this room today is here for a reason in God's timing and purpose. Every one of us. For whatever different reason we are here today, God is calling us to bigger and greater and more wonderful things in our life if we are obedient to be a follower. What did Jesus say? We heard this not that many weeks ago about sheep. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. And they trust me. They trust me. Wherever you are today in your life, you may believe you are a follower and in your heart you are. But have you really laid it on the line, so to speak, to say, Lord, I want to have that ability to let go of everything and let you Show me a better way. The Beatitudes in that gospel 
go contrary to the instincts of the human nature. They really do. They all sound good. They're the most wonderful of all ideals. Yet you look at the world today, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and 2,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago, the world has never changed. The same negative things that cause uprisings and wars and disagreements and anger have never changed. They've always been there. That's the nature of the sin of man. We as Christians are being called to follow Jesus into a far superior way which goes against our own nature and sometimes seeming self-interest. To be his follower. I loved how Steve showed it last week, how so many of us, so many that call the name of Christ are fans. Some fans are semi-committed. I think of where I used to live at in South Carolina. That was Clemson country. Believe me, blood flowed orange where I lived. There was no red because that would have been the University of South Carolina and God forbid that we would ever give them any honor. No, we were in tiger country. And everybody in that part of the world becomes a fan. But do they go to the games? Do they watch them all? Do they really, or they just talk about it when it's comfortable and fun? That's being a fan. A follower is a guy that buys the season tickets and travels the country to go to every game. And I thought about that. The difference between a fan and a follower, yeah, you kind of know about it, but are you committed? Are you committed? And some of them up there are. And I'm sure a lot of them were real happy a couple of weeks ago when they, they won and they became national champs for the first time in how many years? I'm glad I wasn't up there to have to put up with that for the next three weeks. I lived in Clemson. I know what it would be like. You never hear the end of it. The point is we are followers. We come to this place to unburden ourselves of our sin and say, Lord, empower me to follow you to a better life. Empower me to get through these days. I want to be your follower. I want to be in your footsteps. And in the epistles, there's another word used along with follower. To imitate. To imitate. St. Paul explains following as being imitators. We look at Christ and we want to be like him. We want to act like him. We want to have the compassion like him. We want to people to see Christ in us as we live. Because you know something? Sometimes we're the only sermon somebody will ever hear or see. It was Nietzsche, the great atheist, that had a great line that I have to agree with. Do not tell me about your Redeemer until you can prove to me you've been redeemed. Think about that. Don't even bother to tell me about your Redeemer until you can show me you have been redeemed. 
And that's the problem with the church today. I'm going to finish up this sermon pretty quick and share with you something that I have been wrestling with for the last couple of days. My wife probably wonders what goes on in that mind of his, especially as we get closer to Sunday morning. And it all pretty well, I made my decision on one aspect of my life on Friday, as I think you figured out. To be honest, there's a church up in Georgia that would love for me to be their pastor, and I'm not going to do it, and I'll tell you why. This is a church that are fans of Jesus, not followers. They have their own executive committee. They're going to run it their way. It's their church our way. In everything they're doing in searching for a pastor, I have not seen the word prayer used once. It's all about committees and experts. Guess what? Forget it. If you're not doing it God's way, you're not God's church. You're not followers. You're fans. And so they can call me if they want. The answer is going to be no. Not until you become his followers. I'm not interested because I don't work for you. I am not an employee of a board. I'm called by God. God sends. Churches do not employ. That is unscriptural. And every church that takes the mindset that a pastor is subject as an employee I've always seen nothing but turmoil, nothing but angst, nothing but trouble, nothing but division, because you're going against what God demands. And until you can understand that, you're not even a church. You're a club. The church is the body of the living Jesus on this earth. It's not a committee looking, what does St. Paul say? heaping unto themselves teachers that'll preach the message they want to hear that makes us happy. They would never be happy with my message. Believe me. Maybe they need to hear it. But I put that in God's hands. No, this church here will grow because I am more and more convinced today than I ever have been in the year that we've been here this church has moved from being fans to real followers, and I'm watching the change in your lives. I am sensing it and feeling it every day. I am more committed to working with Father Steve to see this place be all that God called it to be because you people became, somewhere along the way, you never realized it, you became followers. From my heart, what a joy that is. No, Steve, you started something when you asked that question and I had to stop and think and put that in perspective of churches that I have been in, attended, worshipped at over my, over my lifetime. And you defined it so well. A fan and a follower. I thank God for each and every one of you here. And I thank God for those that are yet to be here in his time as we become more like him and take on what St. Paul says, our next step. And this is where I wanted to close in that one verse in the gospel, in the, in the epistle. For those of us that are being saved, the King James says saved, but the actual nuance is those that are being saved. 
And I need to explain that so it's not complicated. In many Protestant circles, we think about the moment we got saved and it's a done deal and it's finished. Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. Salvation, from the time we accept Christ, we have, we have that hope of eternity with him. But salvation is still a process on this earth. We are still not perfected. We still have a lot to learn, a lot to do. Being saved is not the be-all, end-all. It is the beginning of a new life on this earth and in the life to come with him. We grow daily in his word is what the Bible teaches us. We grow deeper in his grace. So yeah, salvation is a never-ending process. I don't care if you got saved when you were five or 50. It's still a process that never ends to the day we're called home. What does St. Paul say? We see through a glass dimly. But when we shall see him face to face, then it'll all be clear. And we will understand the process that we've gone through. I thank God, Amazing Grace, Anglican Church, has become a follower, has become followers of Jesus Christ. And that's where the blessings begin. Amen.
Hey, our time has just about run out for today. I want to thank you for listening to the program, Truth to Ponder. Would you let me know that this program, the occasional messages and our content are helpful to you? It would mean a lot to me. You can use our regular mailing address if it's easier for you, and that is Truth to Ponder, and that is 21 Berkshire Lane. That's 21 Berkshire Lane, and our secure box number is number 263. That is 263 in Sky Valley. Two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. If you're able to help us financially, you can make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That address again, 21 Berkshire Lane, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263 in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, and the zip code is 30537. That zip code again, 30537. Tomorrow we come back. We're going to get back to the news of the day and maybe a different look at some of the stories that are out there. We are being deceived on so many fronts, and I want I want you to be clear to know where the truth is. The Scripture gives us truth. The Holy Spirit gives us guidance. And until tomorrow, may God bless. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.